For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Durham Inu. Durham is a blockchain-based business with a mission to support minor league baseball players through the trading of its RBI token. Uh, these guys are professional baseball players or professional athletes, but they are underpaid and struggle to make rent, afford nutritious meals, pay for gear, support their families. They train, they perform at a high level. Uh, they're trying to make their dreams of being a big league baseball player a reality. But a lot of these players uh, often need uh, two jobs, three jobs during the off season, just so that they can try to keep their dream of being a baseball player alive. I've talked to guys who've uh, been teachers in the off season, substitute teachers, uh, construction workers. I've talked to guys who uh, put together furniture. They've been on this show. They've told me the struggle that they go through. The mission of Durham is simple. They want to help minor league players by putting money directly into their hands so they can use it for their personal needs and focus more on the game of baseball. By allowing them to focus on baseball and what's important to them, Durham is helping to create a more sustainable pathway to success for players and supporting the entire minor and major league baseball ecosystem as a whole. This project works by collecting a small tax on every transaction of the crypto token. These taxes are sent to a treasury which is used to make payments directly to the players in the form of Durham sponsorships. The amount of money in the treasury is directly dependent on the trading volume. So the more people who buy the token, the more money there is and the value of the token will rise and allows us to support more minor league baseball players. Uh, for those who are tech savvy when it comes to cr the crypto world, Durham, uh, their RBI token has a 10% buy tax, a 15% sell tax, a deflationary burn mechanism, multi-signature protection on the treasury wallet, and a liquidity lock of 100 years. To get involved with the community and support the mission, purchase RBI. Go to DurhamEnu.com for the official contract if you're a baseball player. And also Uniswap buy link so that you can go on there and help support these minor leaguers. I'm super excited for my guest today, Nick Heath, a center fielder and a baseball player for the Arizona Diamondbacks, drafted originally by the uh, by the Kansas City Royals in uh, 16 in the 16th round. Actually, uh, how's it going, man? Hey, it's going pretty good, man. Just got a little bit of work in earlier. Uh, had to source some stuff out, and uh, man, ready to go, ready to get into it. All right. Well, hey, let's uh, let's let's jump right into this. How has your off season been? I know spring uh, spring training just ended. The new season just started. How has that been for you, man? Been the off season was pretty good. Um, I spent a lot of time working on some stuff. I think I needed to work on, uh, kind of changing uh, some stuff to help me uh, be a little more consistent. Uh, cut down on some strikeouts. I had a couple of those last year. Didn't want those. Um, just working on being, you know, man, a better outfielder, a better a better hitter, a better base runner better teammate, um, just working on anything I can do to, first of all, get myself back to the big leagues. But um, for the most part, man, just bring something valuable to this team. Uh, bring something every day to the clubhouse that uh, I know some of these guys are going to need, whether it be older or younger. Uh, try to 
put myself in a little bit of a leadership role, a little bit of a role to, um, you know, help kind of push this team towards uh, what we want to do. And that's when the championship. All right. So let's talk about this. You just talked about how your season uh, is just starting. You want to get back to the majors. Um, and we'll talk about that in a short, in a bit here. But um, talk to me about how you got in with um, Durham Emu. Cause I see you're on their documentary. I see the videos that you're posting up. Obviously they're sponsoring this podcast. Um, I'm happy with their, with, with what they're doing, uh, supporting minor leaguers using cryptocurrency to do so. How did that uh, connection all come about? uh man to be honest that came about uh i think just through twitter just through communication mm-hmm. um i hopped in and saw one of their uh, one of their spaces where they can go in there and talk mm-hmm. and man it was dope to hear somebody out there was trying to advocate for minor leaguers and trying to make sure some of these guys were taken care of they kind of hopped on the they kind of hopped on the forefront of that and said you know we want to give guys an opportunity to make a little more money um, we want to give guys the opportunity to eat a little better on the road, to travel a little better, to stay in, you know, better living conditions when they're at home. So um, it was kind of cool to see that, man. I've been a minor leaguer and kind of gone through that. Um, I don't have uh, as many of the struggles as they as they mm-hmm. have. Uh, I guess I kind of put in uh, a little bit of my time. So it would have been nice to have them around when I was first coming up. <laughs> but I think, <laughs> I, think uh, I think I'm all right right now. But um, just seeing that and kind of being in those shoes and understanding, you know, what those guys got to deal with, what those guys got to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, yo, it's kind of nice to see somebody advocating for them. It's nice to see somebody standing up for them. It's nice to see somebody supporting them, mm-hmm. knowing, you know, that we're all going to have to go through the same thing. So uh, that's dope. Um, and like I said, I saw one of their spaces. Um, it was kind of a, it was kind of a, a mutual um I guess you would say virtual handshake between the Mm -hmm. two of us and just saying like, yo, pleasure to meet you guys. I'm happy to see what you guys are doing. Thank you so much for, you know, holding it down for guys who were going through the same thing Mm -hmm. that I went through. And it's nice to look back on that. So uh, they reached back out and they said, Hey, uh, you know, we're kind of interested in some things. We got some things coming up. We're interested in explaining some things, Uh, teaching guys about crypto is something I had no clue about. Right, um, And they kind of just like, you know, essentially put me on game to some stuff that can help me, you know, further down the road. So, um, like I said, it was kind of a mutual um, virtual handshake and we went from there and all of a sudden I'm meeting these guys face to face. And uh, man, it's cool. It's been a dope experience. They've kind of, you know, um, seeing what they've done for other guys is really, really nice to see because a lot of people don't stick their necks out like that for minor league ball players, And these guys are doing that. So. Uh, anything to help another minor leaguer, anything to help another ball player, so I can get behind. Yeah, um, and tell me, tell me this: um, I asked this for actually just recorded with um, Evan Mendoza. He said to say <coughs> hi. He says you're his homie. That's my um, boy. That's my boy. Yeah, yeah. So I just recorded. I asked him this, and I'm going to ask you the same thing. So um, for players in the minor league organizations, uh, maybe hesitant to to sign up with Durham, right? Because they see this, they say, okay, someone's just handing us money. That can't be real. Um, what would you say to them? Uh, man, essentially, I would say you just got to trust it. You know, it's kind of just a moment of being like, hey, um, at some point, it's cool to ask for help, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I got I got some of my teammates who are here in AAA going, dang. Well, before this year in housing, I got some of my teammates even here in AAA going, dang. I don't know if I'm going to keep playing. I got other things I got to take care of. This ain't This ain't cutting it for me. Or, or you know, you see them handing out money thing. Maybe you got to pay it back. Maybe mm-hmm. you got to do this, man. Nah, dog. They're 
literally growing a foundation and building a foundation to be able to do that for God. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Essentially, like there's no strings attached. It's just them, you know, saying, hey, man, we want to help. This wants to be our, this is our opportunity to kind of put our best foot forward and, and pave the way for you guys further down the road. So the guys who come behind you are going to be able to do the same thing. They're going to be taken care of as well. So, I mean, I, I think it's something a lot of people should get on board and especially with, um, the way money is moving nowadays and the way the cryptocurrency is kind of taking off at the very least, you can give it a listen and they can teach you a little something about, you know, what's to come. Uh, something that definitely seems like it is growing in the country or growing across the world, at least uh, monetization wise. And at, at first that's what I took it in for. Maybe I can learn something about crypto. And then I started learning who these guys were and learning what they were about. And man, it got a lot easier to kind of just trust the process in that and trust the fact that these guys just wanted to help out. Yeah, no, I respect it. Like I said, they sponsored this podcast, so I love what they're doing. I, I came across them the same way you did, right? I saw a Twitter space. I jumped on. Um, I was like, okay, you guys have a, a goal, and you're working towards supporting minor leaguers, and you're being a sponsor. You're being an advocate. Um, a lot of people don't see the struggles that minor leaguers go through, right? It's almost like a mystery, right? They just see them reach the big leagues, and they think, okay, now they're getting these big contracts, but so many minor leaguers are living on wages that are like poverty level, right? Um, yeah. so just seeing what they're, what they're doing. Um, like I said, um, they sponsored the show, but at the same time, like I am full support with what they're doing and I completely encourage anyone who's listening to, um, either get sponsored or, um, get into the crypto world and really just kind of, like you said, that's, that's the way this direction, uh, like the, the world's kind of going to, right. It's kind of becoming a big thing here nowadays. Um, let's talk about, let's take it back to when you first started playing baseball. When did you realize you were good at baseball, man? <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, man, I didn't think I was, I didn't think I was any good at baseball until like my senior year of high school. I wasn't playing very competitively. Um, I wasn't playing in like a lot of big tournaments, like some of these, uh, like some other guys you might see, especially like nowadays guys are flying across the country to go play games or going to other states to go play games. We didn't necessarily have all that. Um, I stayed relatively close to home to play. And then, Maybe it wasn't until like my junior, senior year of high school that I kind of was like, okay, like let me kind of venture out there and see, you know, what type of baseball there is. And honestly, man, I think it's just a, I think it's just a continuation of growth and practice and hard work that got me to where I was. So, I mean, I was just very fortunate. Um, I got a call to go play college ball, and I was like, oh snap, I'm gonna go play college ball. I wasn't expecting to do that. Um, I got. I would say I almost lucked into a really, really good situation with one of the coaches uh, and having like a uh, a personal relationship with him and his family. So I kind of knew his family before they went down, before mm -hmm. he went down there. And I got a phone call said, hey, man, we got a spot for you. Come on and play ball. And I was like, oh, snap, mom, okay. here we go. Um, and then pro ball, I, I thought that was a long shot. That's <laughs> something I always wanted to do, right? Yeah. And then, um, man, I got the call to go play uh, professional baseball yeah. and eventually i started getting calls saying hey man you're going here you're going here you're yep, going here yep. now that i look back at it i'm like god yeah. <laughs> that was, first of all that was a long road secondly how the hell did i get here mm -hmm. so uh man it's been cool i i guess i wouldn't say i didn't think i was really good or i didn't think i was good enough at baseball until i would until i said i probably got the pro ball i kind of thought you know it was very average very run-of-the-mill ball player but somebody uh <laughs> Somebody saw some. I'm, yeah. I'm serious. Somebody yeah. saw some potential in there, and here I am. Dude, I respect that. So, how was the college recruiting process? Then you said you, you knew the coach and all that, but were there any other universities or colleges or the JUCO uh, route that you were looking at? 
Uh, there were a couple of JUCOs I was going to go play at, but I'd heard so many horror stories about JUCOs just in terms of like, oh, they're going to run you to death. Mm-hmm. And they get, practices are going to be from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Right. I was like, dog, that sounds miserable, right? And I think I just loved the game enough to I was going to go do it anyway. You know what I mean? I was just going to put up with whatever I had to put up with at the time just to keep playing. Um, and then going to college, uh, there was this guy I used to hit with. He was – essentially, I would say, like, my hitting coach when I was in high school. And I was just trying to, you know, get a little bit better, work a little bit here, work a little bit there. And his son was the head coach at a junior college and went down to play his junior college. And for whatever reason, that weekend, I just decided that I was the best baseball player in the world. So I kind of showed out a little bit and uh, stayed in contact with him. Um, a little bit of time goes by, and I'm probably, like, a month into, I'm like a month into my summer thinking I'm not going to go play college ball. It's like my senior year. I'm like a month in thinking I'm not going to go play college ball. I'm like, dang, well, I'm about to have to get that up. Just go ahead and go to the local, go to a local university, mm-hmm. keep it close to home and see what happens. And he gave me a shout, man. He was like, look, he's like, I got one more outfield spot. He was like, you either want it or you don't. I was like, I'm on my way. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> called my mom. I was like, Hey mom, uh, they offered me to come play ball in Louisiana. And she was like, wait, for real? And I was like, yeah, so I think I want to go. She mm-hmm. was like, all right, let's go. Let's get into yeah. it. So that summer was spent, like, packing some stuff up, mm-hmm. getting on down to Louisiana, and I guess the rest is the rest after that. How do you pronounce the city that you played in? I'm, I'm looking at it, and that – I'm not even trying to <laughs> – I'm going to butcher I can't even try to pronounce it. A lot it. of people are going to say Natchitoches, but it's Natchitoches. Natchitoches, okay. So you played at NSU. Um, how was your college team? You guys have a good uh, – you guys had a couple good guys getting drafted. David Fry, I think he was drafted by the Brewers, at, um, mm-hmm. traded eventually to the, to the Guardians and whatnot. But uh, how good was your team? Uh, my freshman year, not so good. My <laughs> freshman year, we was not very good. Um, I don't know what it was. Yeah. We just, we had a lot of good players. We had a lot of good players. We just did not, we just couldn't put it together as mm-hmm. a team. Um, then my coach, uh, Lane Burroughs is at Louisiana Tech right now. Absolutely amazing coach. You should see what that man is doing down there to that program. It is, it is unbelievable to watch. He came to our school, had, we had a down year that next year, kind of switched some things around, had some new players, had some new, Knew everything. Mm-hmm. He just knew everything. And he turned that he turned that program around so fast. It just you can see the way that he wanted it as a coach, how mm-hmm. determined and how driven he was. And I think he really, really instilled that in a lot of players. And it was easy to get behind him as a sure. coach. It was easy to look at him and go, This man about to run through a brick wall. Yeah. So if he going, I'm going. You know what I mean? It yeah. was just the way that he coached that the way that he coached that team the couple years that I was here. Uh, like I said, we were we were <laughs> We were kind of a tough case my freshman year, but uh, from that point on, man, we were we were thirty five wins a season, the biggest turnaround in program history. All of a sudden, we're making the uh, all of a sudden we're making the conference tournament. We had a couple years in a row where we were one or two wins away from being in a regional, and now you're watching him at Louisiana Tech, and he's got these guys in regionals. He's got these guys mm-hmm. beating top five teams in the country. He just my man. <laughs> Coach Burroughs did it. Coach Burroughs yeah. is doing it. And it's, it's really awesome to watch. Um, from a player standpoint, mm-hmm. his growth as a coach, as well as I'm sure it was awesome for him to watch as a coach, our growth as players. But um, we, were, we weren't we were so good, and then we were really good. So yeah. it was it was nice to be on board with that, and it was nice to 
to kind of have somebody to push us to have that work ethic. And along with my teammates, man, I know we got some guys that are drafted in their player in pro ball now. Adam Aller just got the is about to make his debut this mm-hmm, season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just got called up uh, with the A's, and man, that's so exciting to see to look back and kind of watch him as a freshman, and then watch him as a sophomore, and then you watch him as a junior. And you're like, dog, this kid kind of good. Mm-hmm. And then to see his road as a minor leaguer, where he was about to be done playing ball for good. And now somebody thinks he's good enough to go out there and play in the big at the uh, at the big league level. That's awesome to see, man, because we knew he had it in him. Mm-hmm. But Quanson Atkins is with the Giants. David Fry was with the Brewers, and now he's over with uh, the Guardians. Mm-hmm. And now you kind of watching that culture of what Coach Burroughs instilled in us. Now you're watching a lot of guys that Coach Burroughs had all of a sudden, like, hey, man, they're kind of taking off a little bit. So you're kind of seeing like a little trend upward with our school. Uh, and now Coach Barbier um, is leading it down there in Northwestern. And he was an assistant coach when I was there as well, towards the end of my stay there. And now you're seeing him bring in some really, really good talent. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, I think I think that program, is, it's, it's exciting as an alumni to watch mm-hmm. that program turn around. But it was also exciting to be part of that turnaround that they had. So, man, it's I'm grateful. I'm so yeah. grateful for going to that school. I'm grateful for the people I got to meet. I'm yep. grateful for the opportunities that I got that I didn't think I was going to get. So I got nothing but high praise from Northwestern State uh, for turning me into the person that I am today. That's awesome. Who was your guys' like, biggest rival uh, when you played there? Southeastern. Okay. At least when I was there, it was Southeastern. I don't know if this changed. Yeah. I don't know if they hate anybody or Sam Houston, one of the two, but that's because Sam Houston used to kick everybody. But, yeah. but, uh, so, but Southeastern, I don't know what it was about them boys. And I never even, like, as soon as I stepped on campus, everybody was like, we hate Southeastern. I was like, we hate them. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You're like, all right. <laughs> that was the end of it. So every time something was Southeastern related. And one of my teammates uh, now with the Southeastern, he pitched there. So now every time I see him, I'm like, hey, man, y'all suck. Like, yeah. and just for no reason. I had no I had no animosity towards any of them. I, I actually got a couple friends that played there. So. Um, it was just kind of funny stepping on campus and me being like, yeah, these are the guys we hate. That's them right there. All right, say no more. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel that. <laughs> we hate y'all. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. None of that. Otherwise, I'm mad. Yeah. But, no, um, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, man. That was that was a little bit of my experience with them. Um, did, was there ever, ever any, like, uh, like uh, brawls between benches clearing between any of y'all? Like, did it ever get kind of testy? <laughs> Not between Southeastern, but uh-huh. I will have a I have a funny story. Nicky Lopez uh, oh, yeah. was is with Kansas City yep. and he played at Creighton. And our benches our benches cleared against Creighton because Nikki pushed one of uh pushed one of our outfitters as he was like Nikki kinda put like a I don't know if Nikki gonna tell you he did it, but he kinda put like <laughs> a little knee into one of our yeah. guys as he was getting up and knocked him back down and we were coming off the bench and then lo and behold a year later, me and him are teammates, and I'm, mm-hmm. I didn't realize he was the guy who did it until we ended up getting the like double A. And I'm like, "Yo, you were the one who was knocking over my teammate," and he was like, "Yeah, man, that's my bad." <laughs> and I'm like, "Man, we hated y'all so much for that." And he was like, "Yeah, we hated y'all too." So it's kind of funny seeing yeah. like playing against some guys, mm-hmm. and then uh, like going head to head with them, and all you know, and and now all of a sudden you guys are putting on the same uniform, mm-hmm. so. Man, that's just that's just baseball. It's small, but you learn to you learn to love everybody who's playing it anyway. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you ended up getting drafted by the Royals. Um, heading into like the draft day, uh, did you expect to get drafted by the Royals? Like, or were there any other teams kind of interested in you? Um, how was that whole experience, and like, how did that go down? 
I got a couple phone calls. I think I got like two other phone calls from other teams. And I man, the experience was hectic. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because you don't know if they are, if you don't know if they're going to, or you don't know if they're not. And one of my buddies who was drafted before me was like, man, don't stick around and look at that computer and wait. He was like, go do something else. Don't mm-hmm. watch that. So sure enough, I like <laughs> went down the road to my homie's house and we was just, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whatever, dog. We just kicking it, watching a little TV. Went outside, throw the football around. Went down the street, grabbed some ice cream. Like, we just doing anything to keep mm-hmm. my mind off of it. And I get a phone call, and somebody from the Royals is like, hey, man, uh, you busy right now? Like, nah, what's going on? He was like, you around your family? What you doing? What you got going on? I was like, nah, I'm down the road at my homie's house. He was like, you should probably go home. I was like, all right. <laughs> I told my friend Bob, I was like, hey, man, I'll take you to the house. I'll call you back in a little bit. And uh, I get to the house and talk to him again. He goes, we're going to take you this next round. He goes, you ready to play pro ball? And I'm like, man, stop playing with me. Yeah. Like, Is this really about to happen? He was like, all right, pay attention. And he goes, we're going to take you this next round. He goes, be around your folks. And he said, I'll call you in a bit. I'll call you back in a minute. Hung up the phone. And about 30 seconds before they called my name, my phone rang. And he was like, here you go, man. Congratulations. And I'm looking back like, what's going on? I looked up and showed off my name popped up on the screen. I'm like, ain't no way. So it was yeah. pretty cool. I just celebrated it with my family, my mom, my stepdad, my sister. We kept it small. Mm-hmm. But, um, man, that was cool. That was a cool experience. I know yeah. I know my mom was excited. I got to watch her kind of live through that moment and all the hard work and the stuff that she sacrificed mm-hmm. for me to be able to continue to play. My sister, for all the traveling I know she had to do, she probably didn't want to do. Uh, my stepdad, he... He came on and he and he held it down for us too. Mm-hmm. So, um, I know, man. There was there was probably a lot of people that were really really proud in that moment for all the work that they helped me accomplish and all the time and stuff that they sacrificed for me to get there. So, uh, that was a pretty cool experience. I got to say my thank yous to a lot of people when mm-hmm. I got to. I don't know, man. I got to live a dream. Yeah. So I, I wasn't complaining too much. That day was pretty cool. Yeah, and and you 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 uh you were you grew up not too far from where the actual Royals where they played their stadium at, right? Because I mean, you grew up uh, in Kansas. Yeah, I lived there, in, obviously, right? Yeah, I lived in Junction City. <clears throat> I don't know how long I lived in Junction City. I lived in Junction City for a little while after I moved from Georgia. Um, but yeah, it was only two hours. It was mm-hmm. only two hours to Kaufman, so uh, that was kind of cool for some of the hometown fans. I wasn't necessarily expecting that. I didn't know where it was going to be or who it was going to be to. Yeah, I was just hoping it happened. Period. So. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty thankful for that. Did you grow up a Royals fan or no? No, no. <laughs> I love them. Don't get me wrong. I yeah, love yeah. the people over there. Those, 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 my boys. That's that's my family. I'm always be indebted to them. Um, they're my, and they're always gonna hold a place in my heart. But I for sure grew up a Braves fan. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, um, of course they just won the World Series. But when you got drafted, the Royals had won the World Series just what two the, the year, year before. before? Yeah. And then so they I'm were like, back oh, to snap. back. So. We're about to be good, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, Psych. No, I was like, this is lit. I'm like, what you mean? This is awesome. Yeah. All right. You know, but they they got some they got some incredible talent though. Like coming up, like they got some really good players. On oh there. my goodness. Oh my goodness. Being able to like play next to some of those guys mm-hmm. and watch those guys work. Prado, Melinda, mm-hmm. Bobby. I mean, Isbell, Core Singer. Yeah. Lynch, Bubich, I'm, I'm naming all these dudes. Yeah. Like to be able to like lofting. Oh my goodness, man! Don't get me started. I I I came up playing with some dogs. I came up playing with some absolute dogs over in Kansas City. Some of them are playing still. Some of them aren't. I just 
I came over with some absolute dogs over there in Kansas City, and I'm so thankful I got to be part of that. I'm so thankful I got to like just grow and go through all those experiences with those guys. Man, they made baseball so much easier. They made life so much easier. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, it was still kind of hectic because you never know what's gonna happen right, next. Right. But they made my minor league experience a hell of an experience. I'm not gonna lie to you. They made it a really, really good experience. And then like being able to watch some of these dudes like ball out in person like mm-hmm. being able to watch some of them struggle and then watch how fast they turn it around and watch how fast they shit, watch how fast they turn into real ball players man mm-hmm. it was unbelievable unbelievable staff the front office it was always love man they always they always made you feel at home man they always made you feel at home so <clears throat> again i'm forever indebted to them they made uh they made life pretty easy for me as a ball player I respect it. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear it. And you, you talked about the minors, right? <coughs> yeah, you talked about the minors. Like I said, this this podcast is sponsored by Durham. They're a blockchain-based uh, business uh, with a mission to support minor leaguers uh, through the trading of their RBI token. Um, like we talked about some of the struggles baseball players go through. You had mentioned that you had it pretty good. But, I mean, I'm sure you've seen guys who couldn't, um, like you had mentioned, couldn't play baseball because they got to go support family or uh, they got to, you know, they have kids and they're getting married and they're they're just not able to support themselves on a minor league salary. Um, so I like to try to I like to shed some light on that and kind of talk about some of the experiences you've had. Um, what was some of the? Do you have any like interesting minor league stories where when you think about it, you're like that's like the epitome of the minor leagues. Because like I, I've had guys like tell me like you know we we went to motels and like there's no electricity or like. We went to motels and we weren't even able, we weren't able to check in. We had to share, you know, the whole team share two rooms, stuff like that. Uh, I wouldn't say with the Royals I had anything crazy like mm-hmm. that. There was definitely a, there was definitely a stop I had uh, along the way that like after the game the spread wasn't like the best, mm-hmm. so it was like a very very small spread, and it wasn't even me as a person, man. I'm like I'm very. Uh, I don't know. The, I'm like, I'm low maintenance, you know? Mm-hmm. So I kind of like brush it off real quick. And for whatever reason, like sometimes we would have a bad spread. I'd be like, man, I'm going to just hit McDonald's on the way home. That was for sure a time I had to like hit McDonald's like every day for like a week and a half. And I was like, oh my God, this is starting to get old. But like, I, I wouldn't say I've had too many stories. I wouldn't say I've had too many instances where mm-hmm. like, I was like, okay, this is like, this is dirt. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like I haven't had anything crazy like that. I will say that like I wasn't making enough money uh at one of the levels I went to and we for sure packed like six or seven dudes in a two bedroom <laughs> apartment and everybody was paying like I mean yeah. like I mean dog we were like going to get blow up mattresses. Some of us weren't even sleeping on mattresses uh mattresses. We were just sleeping on like folded up blankets for a little mm-hmm. cushion under mm-hmm. us. Like it was just I I've definitely been there. You know what I mean? And and it's all for the love of the game, I suppose. But I mean at the end of the day, man, I think it, it made me want it that much more. Maybe like that much hungrier mm-hmm. to get to it because I can be like, oh snap, I'm not standing on I came a long way from standing on a blanket mm-hmm. in the middle of Kentucky. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. Playing I'm about to not get to stay at like a Ritz Carlton. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I like I've I've seen both both ends of the spectrum. So I think having to go through that 
I think it definitely helped me. It kind of pushed me a little further along. So when I got to when I got to stay at this hotel in LA or when I got to stay at this hotel in Cincinnati or Atlanta and I'm looking out and I'm like, oh my God, bro, I'm in this crazy hotel right now. Like this hotel is unbelievable. Or Detroit or wherever we went. You know what I mean? Chicago. I'm like, I'm staying in this nice hotel. I'm like, man, I appreciate what I had to go through to get to this, but I hope I never have mm. to go through that again. I don't hope the people behind me don't have to go through that again. So yeah. it's pretty dope right now actually seeing teams pay for minor league housing and and put them in a place where they can stay like that's that's nice that's nice that's just another burden those guys don't have to worry about there's money that doesn't have to come out of their pocket so they can just so they can come out here and basically play the game that they love to play it's it's nice to see man it's nice to see it turning around yeah and you see uh people or organizations like um adopt a minor leaguer more than baseball durham emu they're doing all they can to be advocates for minor leaguers because like you said it's mm-hmm. um i've i've heard stories of guys six or seven guys in a two-bedroom apartment one sleeps in the kitchen on a blow-up matches one's in the living room <laughs> on a blow-up matches two guys in the yeah. bedroom like it's it's not something where like it's not comfortable right like you can't really expect to be the best that you can be when you're focused on trying to just like survive, you know, and I can't <laughs> yeah. even imagine having kids and there's guys who are married and you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a grind, man. Yeah. It's tough. I'm, I'm, I've definitely seen my fair share of married or engaged teammates who are like, nah, I can't cut it no more. Like, yeah. I'm not going to be able to hack it. I got stuff to take care of. Or some guys have kids and I know like some Hispanic players, man, are making $400 every paycheck and they for sure send in like, Three hundred mm-hmm. of those back dollars back home yeah. to take care of their old lady, to take care of their families, to take care of kids if they got them. Uh, bro, I can imagine living on a hundred dollars every two weeks, and then having to go out there and be a top prospect mm-hmm. for somebody, or having to go out there and be lights out on the mound, or like that's. Ugh. Yep. That's abysmal, <laughs> man. That is abysmal, and yeah. I, I feel for some of these guys. I really, really do. Uh, like I said, I've been there. I think I put in enough time. I put in mm-hmm. enough work that I don't necessarily have to worry about that anymore. Mm-hmm. But for the guys behind me, for the guys who are going to get the opportunity to experience that, I man, I, sometimes you sometimes you got to lay down and pray for them. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I mean? It's it's work. It yeah. is work. It is labor. It is love. Boy, I tell you, it's love if I ever seen it. Mm-hmm. It's love for the game. You really, really got love it to stick through it. So yeah. Um, it's nice to see that, man. It's nice to see it turning around. I know it's going to be a lot less stress, a lot less pressure on guys to do certain things and have to figure certain things out. So it's nice to see. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, before we get, uh, talk about something else, like, um, have you, did you ever have any uh, interesting like interactions with fans? Like I've had uh, baseball players tell me like there's kids asking them, asking them to sign their foreheads, um, asking them to uh, get signed autographs and they didn't even know what their what their names were. They thought they were a Dominican player, but he's not even Dominican. Um, like, do you have any uh, interesting uh, interactions? I mean, yeah, I feel like I've had a few of those. I feel like you're always going to run across the kid who's like, can you sign my back? Yeah. Like, <laughs> get out of here. odd stuff I do. Right? But, like, sometimes you do it because it's kind of funny. And other times you're like, man, he would. this would be a story for him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a story for me as well, but um i would say i don't know man you always have weird interactions some guys are some guys will sit next to you in the stands and tell you your butt looks nice in the pants you're like man what's going on here dog like leave me alone bro i'm trying to work other times you got people heckling you um i will say one time during the spring training game 
uh, I had this, I had this, what was my jersey number? Like 88, 89. I wasn't in, I wasn't in camp yet. Nothing like that. I hadn't made my debut yet or nothing. I think I might've been in like high. My jersey number was 88. I had no name on the back. He was just 88. And I'm going down and this kid asked me to sign his ball. <clears throat> and he turns around and this other guy tries to get through and say, hey man, can you sign my hat? And I hear a guy next to him go, what's his name? What's the name on the back? <laughs> <laughs> and this other guy looked back and goes, oh, man, this says 88. Nobody knows this guy. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> what a reality check. I'm like, dang, bro, that shit hurts, man. Like, I got a name, fool. I'm not just, I mean, I guess I am just 88. Yeah, yeah, but, like, yeah. I got a name, dog. It was, I've, I've been through some, uh, I've been through some stuff. <clears throat> I've also had guys walk up and like, hey, can you sign this? And you'd be like, all right, cool. And you give me to sign it and they go, what's your name? I'll be like, all right, man, take your ball and your pen back. Like, yeah. If you're going to ask me to sign something, you got to know my name first. Don't yeah. ask the guy next to you. You got to look at me and say, hey, Nick, can you sign yeah. this? And I, for sure, I have most definitely told people no because they did not know my name. Like, somebody's like, hey, man, can you sign this? And then look at somebody else and go, what's his name? And I'll be like, oh, you don't know my name either, dog. Like, mm -hmm. take this, take this. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna build up the courage to go up to ask somebody to do you a favor, I feel like at the very least you should know their name. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Even if you can't see the name on the back, and I'm willing to bet, I'm telling you right now, that's why I've seen a lot of guys wear like hoodies or something over their jerseys before practice or during practice. It's because guy, I mean, like sometimes you gotta be a little courteous, man. You can't just walk up and be like, "Oh, hey, he, can you sign this?" He'd be like, "All right, yeah, I will," because you got my name right, but. Other times you walk up and guys are like, who are you? Can you sign this, by the way? Like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. So quick tip for fans. If you're going to yeah. go ask for an autograph, you're going to ask for a signature for somebody, make sure you know their name first. And don't yep. don't don't have to ask. That's uh, I feel like that's a little disrespectful to the ball player. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Anderson Miller, your guy, um, he told me something similar. He said that he was playing, I think they were playing like Fernando Tatis back in the minors. And some kids were like, oh, yeah, you know, are you Dominican too? Like you're Puerto Rican? Because, you know... He uh he he said he looks he like it. He's kinda, he, yeah he kind of does. I th I asked him. I thought, are you Puerto Rican? Because I'm Puerto Rican, so I asked him. He's like, nah. But uh, the guys, the kids asking him, and the, whoever was asking him for the autograph, didn't know who he was. He just they just thought he was one of those Dominican players or like another Fernando Tatis. And he's like, you don't even know my name. Like, you know, get out of here. Yeah, like, <laughs> come on, man. Take it to the house, bro. Yeah. get a roster or something. I don't know, but this ain't it. <laughs> yeah, so I, that's fair enough. That's funny. So let's talk about the major league because obviously you made your major league debut, um, and that's incredible, right? Um, how was that experience, and how did they tell you you're going to be uh, getting to the big uh, play for your uh, for the major team? Uh, all right. So first of all, that experience, even though we didn't have no fans, I made it during uh, that that COVID year. I made it 2020. In 2020. Yep. Even though we didn't have no fans, it was just the fact that like I was about to be out there on the field with our big league team, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I was just like, well, my heart was racing. And they kind of told me, they were like, look, man, when you start, <clears throat> when you come up here, probably just going to be running bases, probably just going to be playing late game defense. And like, get you into a little role. And that's cool, man. I play my role. I'm a role player. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I ain't tripping. I don't need to go out there day one and be wheeled out to center field every day. Mm -hmm. I, I totally get it. I understand. You got to go through your little trials and tribulations right, to right. get what you want. <clears throat> but they told me that, and let me see, where are we playing? Detroit. We're in Detroit. And I made my debut in Detroit. Okay. And sure enough, I'm like, Skip walks over and says, Hey man, if he gets if 
I think it was for Solaire. He goes, if Solaire gets on here, you're running. And I was like, oh, snap, for real? Yeah. Or if Gordo gets on here, you're running. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Wait, what? So I'm sitting down at the end of the dugout, like, not pacing necessarily, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of, like, bouncing on my toes. Like, in my head, I'm warming up, but I'm really just anxious as hell. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, what's about to happen? What's about to happen? Sure enough, he gets on. And I look over at the end of the at the other end of the dugout, and they're looking at me, and they just give me a little head nod, and I was like, well, here I go. Yep. And as soon as I got out on the field and touched the bag, I was like, oh, my God, bro. Like, there was nobody in there. Yeah. Nobody in there, bro. Oh, but I'm looking around at this empty stadium, but but these lights are on, mm-hmm. and it's literally just both teams. I'm like, oh, the cardboard snap. boxes. I'm like, this is crazy. So I can only imagine, like, having fans here. But looking around, I'm like, this is nuts. Got to do the same thing in Chicago. I'm standing next to Rizzo at first base. I'm like, I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? I don't know if you can read my lips, but if you see the video, my mom has this video. And if you see the video, you can see Rizzo ask me how I'm doing. And I'm like, mind blown. (laughs) And me and him kind of like laugh for a quick second. And he's like, man, welcome to it. He's like, congratulations. And that was the same thing all the way around the bases. Javi, same thing. Chris Bryant, same thing. They're like, hey, man, this your first one? Like, this your first time being here? And I'm like, yeah. And they were like, that's sick. Congratulations. When I got my first hit, it was playing against the Cubs. Who's pitching? Hit a double. I don't know. You don't know who you got your first hit off? Nah, man. I was blacked out. <laughs> nah, I was just like, oh, oh, snap. Like, this is it. You yeah. know what I mean? I feel like that was it. I mean, dog, that's the moment you've been, yep. that's the moment I've been waiting for my whole life. Now, if I look at the video, I can like yeah. take you through it moment by moment. But at that current moment in time, I was like, oh, snap. Like, this is it. This mm-hmm. is where I am. And I feel like a lot of people are like that. I'm sure there are some people who composure through the roof they're not affected whatsoever by that but i feel like there's other people who are like all right dog <laughs> get your feet wet here yeah. it is but hit a double i look back and it was the same group of guys they're like yeah that was your first hit too and i'm like yeah and they're like congratulations man i'm like dang dog i'm out here like these fools telling me congratulations mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. real so it's kind of nice to be part of that um and I, I don't know man going from there it was just trying to find my little niche trying to find trying to fit in where i get in and uh and and obviously just be a good ball player and try to and try to help a team win try to go out there and be successful just like everybody else how how did the conversation go with your your mom um like what was that what was that conversation like letting her know that you're about to finally you know make your major league debut and all the effort that i'm sure she put in watching you grow up and taking you to practices and all that is finally coming to fruition well when they called me it probably like 10 30 that night i'm sitting in kansas city at our alternate site and the team is in detroit and I'm playing Call of Duty with the homies. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. <laughs> playing a game with the boys. I got my mic down. And I get this phone call from who, uh, our, basically our minor league director. And <clears throat> I'm like, hello? Like, it's a little yeah. late to be getting this phone call. Like, hey, man, how you doing? He's like, Nick, I'm good. And I'm, mind you, in the back of my head, I'm like, damn, bro, they probably going to tell me I'm going home. <laughs> Why he calling me this late? And he goes, hey, man, uh, you busy? And I was like, no. So I put him on speaker, not realizing that my mic is still down. So all my friends can hear this, too. I got, like, four or five friends that are on the mic right now listening. And he was like, hey, man, uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I just wanted to call and say that uh, the team needs a little bit of help in Detroit. And uh, they figured that you'd be the right person to come up there and help them. I was like, okay, what you mean? He was like, congratulations, man. You're a big leaguer. You're going to Detroit to help the team tomorrow. I'm like, wait, what? For real? 
I like stop playing with me. And he was like, nah, I'm not. So I had my moment. I kind of cried on the phone right there. And he was just, I've been through a lot with him too. He's been there since I got drafted. So like getting the opportunity to know him and to, and, and kind of grow a better relationship with some yeah. of those guys in our front office in Kansas city. Um, <clears throat> it was pretty cool, man. I got to, those guys, you know, gave me the opportunity and now they, here they are giving me the biggest opportunity mm -hmm. of all. And, um, that was pretty cool, man. So I talked to him on the phone for about 10 minutes and he kind of gave me some encouraging words and, and kind of pat me on the back a little bit saying, Hey man, like you deserved it. You earned it. Uh, you've been through a lot of stuff. Um, and, and here it is, man, like go make the most of it. So I was like, I got to call my mom. And he mm -hmm. was like, yeah, I figured you would have to do that. Yeah. So I called my mom and she was asleep at the time. I was like, yo mom, I was like, uh, I don't know what time it would have been. It probably would have been like 1 a.m. for them. So my mom was knocked out. And I called her. I was like, Mom, Mom, you awake? And she goes, yeah, Nick, what's going on? I'm like, I just want you to know I'm making my debut tomorrow. Or like I'm getting called mm -hmm. up tomorrow. I'm about to go join the team in Detroit. I was like, you can go back to sleep, but call me in the morning. And she was like, okay, I'll call you in the morning. <laughs> and she hung up the phone, right? And then the next morning she called me before I'm up. I'm up at like 6 o'clock. I couldn't, couldn't sleep, couldn't yep. do none of that. Up at like 6 o'clock. I get this call. It's probably, it's probably six oh five, and my mom was like, Dad! "Yeah." Yeah. Well, my mom on the phone screaming, so I'm like, "All right." I knew, I knew at some point it was gonna register with mm -hmm. her, but I know how my mom is when she sleep. Don't mess with it. So, uh, it was, and that was pretty cool. I got to explain that to my mom and my sister and my whole family, and obviously some some of that you're not supposed to say just yet. So I was like, "Y'all gotta keep this on the down mm -hmm, until mm -hmm. it actually happens." But I was like. This is this is what's going on, and my mom was like, "All right, cool. So we gonna see. We gonna we gonna try to be there." And obviously, they weren't allowed to be uh, with everything that was going on with COVID, but it was still cool, man. It was, it was still cool to come back to my phone at the end of the game after I made my debut. Mm -hmm. My mom's taking pictures of the TV, and my mom's leaving voice notes and voicemails, and I'm getting awesome. calls from all my friends and stuff like that. It was a pretty cool experience. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, was there any like? I know the 2020 is COVID and all that's kind of weird, but like, were there any like things you had to do as a rookie uh, coming up there with like, some of the older guys, like, you know, making you like, I know some teams will make you do like, and I guess they've kind of gotten rid of like rookie, like hazing to a certain extent, but was there anything you had to do since you were like the new kid up there? Nah, they didn't, nah, they didn't make us do anything. They didn't make us do anything. I mean, we had to wear these little blow up suits on a plane one <laughs> okay. time, but like it was, it was what it was. Yeah. You look like big old gum, like big old gumballs with like <laughs> that's kind of What of kind me. of blow up suit was Which it? Was kind of, I couldn't even tell you, dog. Some were green, some were like lime green, and some were like neon orange, and they just had like little feet. And <laughs> some of ours were busted, so we were just sitting in this little hot plastic suit, dog, man. <laughs> But other ones were like blowing up, so it was it was it was funny. It was cool to kind of I went through that with a few guys, um, but it wasn't. I and mean, it wasn't bad. We had to wear them on a the plane. We took a big old group picture. It was kind of funny, and uh, no, nah, they didn't make us do anything. They didn't make us do anything uh, that 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 I can remember. Yeah, they didn't make us do nothing but wear those suits. So uh, I think I was a little more mad about being in the suit. The yeah. fan was dysfunctional, so I was mad. I was hot. Yeah, <laughs> like you breathe in, it kind of fog uh -huh. up a little bit. You're like, dang dog, I'm on this plane. I'm stuck in this suit. I'm hot. I'm sweating. But other than that, man, it was it was cool, dog. I'm I'm just happy to be there. I didn't care what I had to do. Yeah, I'm like shoot, all right, I'll pick up these balls. I'll take the bucket back. Like it's mm -hmm. nothing. It, <laughs> it is no big deal. Yeah, no, I uh, bet because you're 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 there. a major leaguer. You're finally got into that area, that that point of your yeah. life and stuff. 
Definitely. I was not worried in the slightest. I was like, I'm just happy to be here, y'all. What's up? <laughs> how how was it playing with guys like Savi, um, uh, Salvador Perez, um, Whit Merrifield, some guys who are absolutely just like legends right now in the game, like one of the some of the best of the best? It was so cool to watch them work. You know what I mean? Um, it was just, man, it was dope. Salvi, super down to earth. Very, um, I feel like, I'm not going to lie to you, I thought he was, you know, kind of like the the leader of that team. I got to play with a little bit of, I got to play with Gordo mm-hmm. for that COVID year. So that was my opportunity to watch Gordo work. Mm-hmm. That was my opportunity to watch him, like, show up to the field every day, take some ground balls, shag. I'm like, dog, how is he so good in the outfield? And then I show up and I watch him work and I'm like, that's how he's good in mm-hmm. the outfield. Let me jot this down in my notebook. So, like, I try to do as much as that as I can. I try to work on my defense as much as I can, just like he did. I hope one day I'm looking back and I got a couple gold gloves sitting mm-hmm. on a nightstand somewhere, sitting on a table, sitting on a, I don't know, sitting on something, a show. But I got to watch him work. I watch, you know, like I watch Solaire, watch Wit. I'm watching, I'm watching all these guys. I'm watching Salvi and I'm like, man, these guys got like a, a work ethic mm-hmm. that, it's almost unmatched. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'm like looking at these guys, wondering like how they get here and how they do it. And it, <laughs> they just do it, man. Yeah. They just go, they just go out there and do it. And I'm like, man, like, all right. So now I understand the type of work that it takes. Mm-hmm. Now I understand the type of like drive and the type of passion it takes. So I take that with me every day. And I hope, you know, one day somebody looks at me and goes, all right, I want to work as hard as this guy works. Sure. I want to, I want to, get after it like he gets after it. I want to put in the same type of work that he puts in. And hopefully, man, it kind of runs down on somebody else because mm-hmm. what they did rubbed off on me. Yeah, And my path might be a little bit different than theirs is or different than theirs is going to be. But I feel like at the end of the day, it was my opportunity to like look there and say, all right, this man right here is... I feel like Gordo might mess around and be a Hall of Famer. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Who, played, who ever played defense like that? Yeah, I ain't never good. seen nobody play defense like that. You know what I mean? And and just watching him, watching him just be great, and then watching Salvi go out there and just absolutely mm-hmm. bang. Salvi breaks, good behind yeah. the plate, and I'm just like, man, I'm around these like all star caliber players. Mm-hmm. I'm picking their brains. I'm taking whatever I can take, even if I'm not necessarily speaking to them all the time. Right. I got my little notebook right here, and I'm like, all right, watching. he did this today, and he practiced this today, so you should probably practice that too. Yeah, like it's just, I don't know, man. I'm just getting to look at that and getting to like. Even watching guys from across the field, like that were in other dugouts, I'm like, okay, how is he preparing for this game? Like, is this what it takes? I know some dudes can go out there and roll out of bed and just put up numbers. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how some people do it, but they just do it. But then I'm also looking at like the aspect of guys who are like, all right, I'm here. I got to fight to stay here. Mm-hmm. I got to fight to continue to be here. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I'm paying attention. Yeah. I'm taking notes. I'm 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 watching what I'm supposed to watch. So that's pretty dope. Did any of them um, take you? Because you obviously you you were a rookie there. Did anyone take you like under under their, their wing, kind of show you the ropes of being a major leaguer? Um, I wouldn't say necessarily like take me under their wing, mm-hmm. but I will say like <clears throat> as soon as I got there, Gordo, there was a moment I had, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna throw this 120 feet, 150 feet, and I'm gonna just like get my arm loose, yada mm-hmm. yada yada. Well, I'm probably like 120 feet in. And I'm working my way back in, and Gordo walks by me and goes, "Hey, we're gonna long toss." And I was like, "Huh?" He was like, "We get we get ready to long toss." I'm like, "All right, all right cool." Like, I'm like, "Damn, all right, let me get the arm <laughs> loose again." You know what I mean? Yep. And 
Gordo, get out the 120. Laser beam right in my chest. Get out the 150. Laser beam right in my chest. And I'm like, are you going to hit me in my chest? I'm going to hit you in yours. So I'm like throwing it, <laughs> yeah, throwing it right back to him. And it's kind of cool because I'm having like, he probably doesn't know this, but in my head, I'm having a competition with him. Mm -hmm. I'm like, let me see how many times I can hit you in the chest if you're going to hit me in the chest yeah. like this. And then eventually, he's like at the warning track. I'm on the line. My man's at the warning track in the gap. And he is just like, easy i'm like damn look at that boom catch it and i'm like dang that was right on the money yep. i'm like let me go ahead and get it out there and i'm like okay cool i put that one on the money and you just kind of just going back and forth and eventually my arms start getting a little tired mm -hmm. and then he comes back in this the, my arm's about to fall off we've been long tossing for a hot second and he comes back in and go how you feel and i'm like i ain't gonna lie man my arm kind of tired he kind of laughs a little bit and he goes gotta get it right gotta train it he's like so we're just long toss every day a little long toss X amount of days or whenever. And I'm like, all right, cool. So whenever he was going out there to throw, it was probably like a week or so, maybe a week and a half I got to do that with him. But anytime he was going out there to throw, he's like, he, we're long tossing. I'd be like, well, here yep. it is. Let me get the thing loose again. And it, yeah. was, just, it was just another competition. So um, that's just, I don't know, man. That's just like one of those little small things I got to experience. I'm like, okay, well, this makes sense. Wow, when he throws, he can put it wherever he wants mm -hmm. to. This probably explains why he leads the outfield in assists. He can hit his cutoff man in the chest and let his cutoff man do the work from there. Mm -hmm. So, like, little stuff like that is something I take pride in now, too, that maybe I didn't prior to. I always just assume, like, let me throw this as hard as I can. My cutoff man will get there, yada, yada, yada. But now I'm seeing, like, okay, I got to hit my cutoff man in the chest. So now that's something we work on every yep. day. Like, throwing the second – like, when I'm in the outfield during BP – let me work on throwing the second base. Let me throw. Let me work on one hop in third base. You know what I mean. So it's just like little stuff that I take with me. So come game time, like it's at this point now, it's just second nature. And mm -hmm. I kind of learned some of that from him. I kind of learned the way that they work. Like Rusty Coots, Rusty. Tch, that man is that. I feel like he should just. Hey, they need a plaque up in him already. That I, he just he did so much, man. He did so much for me, just in terms of my game and just helping me and even when he wasn't in town shooting me a text message going that was a hell of a play player like mm -hmm. i it's it's unbelievable man so getting to getting to work next to some of those guys and pick their brains and see how they operate it i think it made me who i am today that's awesome that's electric just being able to have that experience right like you're 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 doing long toss with like one of one of the best like outfielders in the last 10 15 years to play the game right yeah <laughs> um so it's unbelievable yeah. Yeah. And obviously, like baseball um, is a game of, you know, um, you're playing well, you play well, but you get DFA by the Royals and that's nothing on you. Right. Like you, you're doing the best you can. That's the, on them. You know, you're going to be the one that got away. They're going to look back 10 years now. They're going to be like, man, we should have kept that also, guy. Right. <laughs> I'm, work, I'm working for that one. <laughs> but then you go to play for the Diamondbacks. Right. And that's incredible because they got guys like Stephen Vogt, who's like one of my favorite players to ever watch the game. I grew up uh, in Oakland watching him play here. Saw him have a big hit in the postseason against Verlander. Um, just one of the a funny guy too, like just humor, like incredible. Like mm -hmm. how was it like making that adjustment, switching teams, and then playing with guys who are like incredible, like Stephen Vogt? Man, I'm not gonna say they they made the some of those guys made the transition easy. Um, I would definitely say when I showed up, I was like, all right, like first, <laughs> I mean, dog, it's like first day of school yeah. all over again. I'm like. Pull up to the field with my backpack. I'm like, oh, snap. Like, what's going on? Where's my locker? Who are you? Who mm -hmm. is this guy? So I was definitely butchering names first. Um, I was – that was a really, really quick turnaround. I got DFA'd, and then, like, two days later, 
they called me at probably like 9 30 that night 10 o'clock and they were like hey we just traded you to the diamondbacks and i was like okay like now what mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. they were like you're a diamondback and like well man it's been a pleasure and i kind of said my goodbyes to some of my teammates said my goodbyes to uh some of the staff that was over there and then I get a call like 30 minutes later, 45 minutes later from the Diamondbacks. And they're like, hey, man, your flight's tomorrow morning at 6. You're going to meet the team in D.C. I'm like, what? Um, yeah. My flight's at 6 a.m. the next morning? Uh, they had a day game. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Bro. So I got to pack up my whole hotel room, catch like an hour of sleep, <clears throat> catch an Uber to the airport in northwest Arkansas, and then fly to D.C. So that was quite that was quite the experience. But getting over there, like I've known, I think I might have known like three or four guys already, just either playing with them or playing against them. And then, uh, man, just as the season went on, like obviously getting to know some of the faces, um, I kind of went up, kind of went down. Uh, I kind of did that little mm-hmm. roller coaster for a little bit, um, but went up, went down. So I met a few faces, been around a few guys. So I was kind of getting a little more comfortable. But Stephen Vogt, man, that is. <laughs> Quality guy. I don't know what that, I don't know what I don't know what else to say. What a what a what a teammate he was, man. That was, that was unbelievable. Um, and just like see you say stuff like that, and then you get the opportunity to be around those guys to actually see who they mm-hmm. are. And uh, I remember he told me a story one day. I didn't know like how cool he was mm-hmm. until he came up and told me the story. We're sitting down talking, and he comes up. He goes, "Man, I just want you to know." that my kid doesn't stop talking about you because you're number nine and he's number nine too. And this is a moment where I'm like, ain't no way Mm -hmm. that this man right here came up and said something like that to me. You know what I mean? Like, dog, as a minor leaguer, as a college player, as a high school player, like I'm seeing you guys on TV. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I wonder what these guys are like in person. And now I'm having this conversation and like getting to meet his kid after a game and his kid's like, yo, like, I'm number nine, too. And I'm like, that's sick, but you make nine league better than me, man. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, I, I don't know, dog. This is, it, it's all full circle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And getting the opportunity to be around some of those guys and pick their brains. Whenever I had questions, he was the one I went to ask. I was like, hey, man, like, how do you, how did you get through this moment when you were a rookie? How did you get through this moment when you were, like, first coming up? How did you, how did you suck up being angry that, maybe you weren't playing or how did you suck up being angry that maybe you didn't do what you wanted to do when you wanted to do it? Like, how did you overcome the big leagues kind of kicking mm-hmm. your butt for a little bit? You know what I mean? And he always had an answer for me. He always had something for me that was beneficial. He always had something for me that was positive. And I'm like, that's nuts that you look at these guys through a TV screen mm-hmm. and you wonder how they are as people. And then you get up next to them and you get the opportunity to play with them and put on the same uniform and you got to communicate with them on the field because now you guys are teammates and it's a whole, bro, you get a whole different respect for a lot of people. You get a whole different perspective of whatever he went through, I went through, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? At least to a certain extent, to a certain point that he's probably gone through the same thing that I've gone through. So it's kind of nice to look at it and go, all right, man, like I can pick his brain about this and he'll have a solid answer. Mm -hmm. So you saying like, he's a legend. He is most definitely a legend. He is most definitely a legend. And I never forget like some of the conversations I had with him and I like carry some of those like tidbits that he gave me. Mm -hmm. I still carry those with me. I got them in a notebook. Actually, (laughs) I keep this notebook with me um, for like stuff that I ask guys and just how to overcome, Mm -hmm. how to persevere, how to, 
adjust how to whatever you may have in baseball. I got this notebook and I like got stuff jotted down and it's kind of cool, man, to, to have that moment with some guys that you thought maybe you never get the opportunity mm-hmm. to meet or maybe you never get the opportunity to play alongside. Yeah. And, and that's just how baseball works, dog. Mm-hmm. It'll kick your butt sometimes, but it'll bless you at the same time. Yeah, and I think he, I want to say he was like a rookie. I think he was like 27, 28. Like he was an older guy when he finally got his major league debut and then uh, ended up being an all-star, uh, won a World Series just with, the, I think he won a World Series with the Braves this past season. Um, I think he was, I want to say he was on the team for a little bit when they when they won their World mm-hmm. Series. Um, just, yeah, an incredible guy. Like, did he ever, did he ever do his like, um, I know he kind of got famous for this in, in Oakland. He did this like referee bit where he would blow the whistle and he would talk like a referee. He ha- he's really good at impressions. Like what did he ever do? No, anything? I haven't I didn't get the chance to see oh, that. He goodness. did have some he did have some funny stuff that he would like. He had some funny stuff that he would do at Santa Locker sometimes uh in the in the clubhouse, sometimes in the dugout. But I think when we got out there to baseball, once the game started, my man was all business. But like once the game was over, it was it was cool to be able to like sit down and have a conversation with him and, and just, I don't know, man, you get to pick his brain and it's cool, dog. It's cool. Especially coming from somebody who's just not getting there. Somebody who's just not getting the opportunity to be around all that. And these guys are like, yeah, dog, welcome you with open arms, whatever you want to know, whatever questions you got, don't hesitate, bring them to us. Yeah, no, that's incredible. And like I said, it's, it's, you're, you're going to, hopefully this season you're back in the majors making, you know, uh you're that's the goal. yeah that's the goal for sure for sure and i'll that's you know i'm gonna i'll start like i said i'll start the campaign free nick heath like we got to get you out in the majors bro like we can't be <laughs> i'll get i'll make the I t-shirts like that. <laughs> i'll make the t-shirts you know we'll get some signs going you know get the hashtag trending on twitter yeah. uh free nick okay. heath and uh we'll see you back in the majors man um i want to uh end on this like when you're not playing baseball what do you do for fun like i know you, you mentioned call of duty like what else do you do for fun um all right dog i'm really big into nature recently okay uh this is like a this is like a since the new year type of thing mm-hmm. kind of big into nature um i used to not like reading but now i'm like <laughs> dog i'm so i'm so far into one of these books right now and i just can't put it down mm-hmm. um uh i got another one that i'm gonna try to start reading before this series is over so i'm gonna try to finish the one i'm in i think i got like 60 or 70 pages left so when I get off here, I probably try to knock down like 20 more pages. And then I got another one I want to pick up. And it's just, <clears throat> it's, this book is called Ego is the Enemy. Hmm. And a really uh, a really good friend of mine, Brandon Jennings, uh, who used to play basketball for, yeah, the Bucks, for the Bucks, put me yeah. on. Uh, he put me on like this, this, uh, this series of books. And it's just all about like putting yourself second and not being so, and not being so like, locked in or in tune with what you want to do mm-hmm. but it's learning to accept that especially in sports like no matter how hard it is how difficult it might get that like everything ain't gonna go your way there's a player side there's a business side there's a relationship side there's a whole lot of different sides to it but this book ego is an enemy has been saving me man it's been saving me and it kind of just like gives me the opportunity to look at myself a little bit differently and it kind of like at times in the book it'll just smack you in the face yeah. and be like this is probably you right you know what i mean oh. so um it's it's really eye-opening and i've been reading i've been reading a lot of books i've been doing a lot of walking i've been doing a whole lot of just i don't know like active stuff i like bowling i'm big on i bowling. saw that on twitter 
<laughs> I'm not like I ain't the best bowler. I, I'm liable to mess around and bowl like a 230 or a 240, and then I'm liable to mess around and bowl like a 105. You just never know what you're mm-hmm. gonna get some days. So uh, I'm just trying to be more consistent with that. I think it's kind of fun away from baseball. It kind of takes my mind off of it, but allows me to be competitive elsewhere. Or elsewhere. So, um, man, I, I don't know. I'm I'm in the house. I like to yeah. stay inside. I like to read. I like to just kind of enjoy my own space after having to be around a whole bunch of people. Yep. After having to go outside and listen to loud music, loud people screaming. I mean, it's just after a long day of work, it's kind of nice to just come back and relax. Get back, yep. And be in myself, be in my own little bubble for a little bit. But, you know, obviously you get to hang around your teammates. You get to do stuff like that away from the field. So um, for the most part, I'm just kicking it with my teammates. I'm by myself. I'm reading. I'm outside doing something. I don't know. Yeah, well, Um, when you you play in Milwaukee, we're going to have to go bowling, you know? Oh, what's up? Yeah, I mean, I'm not too far from the stadium. I'm you know, 40 <clears throat> minutes, so you know, once you make your back in the majors and you play 40 in Milwaukee, minutes? all right, yeah, 40 minutes is a little steep, but that's all right. We can make some uh, change. No, I'll, bro, I will drive. Ain't no big deal. <laughs> all right, man. If you close by, we can find a bowling alley now. Don't, all right, don't be mad at me if since, I do it to you, though. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold. You probably beat me. I, I'm, su- I suck, but I'm, a, I'm gonna hold you <laughs> to that, bro. <laughs> I'm down to go, brother. I'm down to go. I respect that. I appreciate that. All right. Hey, man, again, I want to thank you for coming on. I know you're a busy guy, and I'm glad we finally able to get this all all situated and get a time for you to come on. Um, I'll, I'll cheer for you. Like I said, free Nick Keith. We, we got to get that got to get that trending, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you in the majors, man. All right. Thank you very much for having me, brother. All right, bro. You have a good one. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.